Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 35 of the 2020 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft. We're less than a week away, April 23rd, right around the corner. We're ready to jump right into the draft. I can't wait. And what's funny about being less than a week away, all the rumors really start circulating. You wonder how many of the rumors are actually, you know, is there any any truth to any of those rumors? Are, are there smoke screens? What really is going on here? Are they are teams trying to get another team to trade up? Are they really trying to drum up interest? Really gets to be interesting. Hey, you know what? We're really interested in this player. Is that true? Or are they just trying to get another team to potentially trade up to go after that particular player? A lot of fun uh, that really takes place the last week. Uh, before the draft, a lot of you know potential deception, um, you know, and and things that come into play. Like I said, smoke screens, and so any of the the rumors or any of the talk that you hear, you hear one thing one day that a team's going in this direction, and then in, you know the, the very next day they're going in a different direction. It's like the Giants. I've been going back and forth in my head about what Dave Gettleman's going to do. Is it going to be Isaiah Simmons or is it going to be Jedrick Wills? Uh, you know, the linebacker or the t- or the offensive tackle. And yes, if you go. Isaiah Simmons in round number one. You can still get a guy like Isaiah Simmons in round two. But in the event you go Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle, here's here's another thought. Um, you know, when when I look at the Giants, you know, I, I really think that the Giants could be looking at you know really showing up that offensive line. You know, I, I do think they need a pass rusher. I, I think you end up with you know potentially uh you know Jabari Zuniga. There on day two is, is a guy that I think the Giants could potentially be interested in. Um, you know, really with the Giants early on on day two, there are a lot of pass rushers that are actually out there, not just Jabari Zuniga later on, either in round three. Um, but I look at it, and there there are pass rushers to be had. You can get a, a guy like you know Curtis Weaver potentially in round number three. Um, you could get Josh Uche. Out out of Michigan, he could potentially be available in round three as well. You know, so you could uh, conceivably, if you're the Giants, go Jedrick Wills in round one. Round two, you can go center. You have an you know have an issue at the center position, especially with John Jalapio and his injuries. Um, Matt Hennessy out of Temple, you know that makes a lot of sense there. Um, early in round number two, and then in round three, you can get your pass rusher. I think there are some options there for the Giants. I, I think they, they can make some of these moves, some of these plays. You know, the fact is, is the Giants, you know, they do have, they do sit late in round number three because they don't have an early pick. They traded that pick away. So if I'm the Giants, then maybe what I do is, is instead of, of Matt Hennessy, I'm looking at getting, you know, making sure I get my pass rusher there um, with that second pick. Uh, and then potentially go safety like a Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson who who has all that versatility, uh, a guy who can cover in the slot, you know, one of the better uh, cover players there for the Tigers. So the Giants, they can go in a number of different directions with their pick. And I think that's one of the things that really trying to debate, kind of going back and forth. And the reason why I bring up the Giants is, is we are talking about the offensive line in this podcast. What we're doing is rant, you know, getting ready for the draft. We're going to be talking about each of these positions. We talked about, you know, the, the skill positions, the quarterbacks and running backs, and then the wide receivers and tight ends. We're going to take a look at the offensive line today and really take a look at you know, who's going where, who are the top guys that we're going to be targeting at each of these positions. Take a look a little bit at the, the history over the last few years at the tackle guard and center positions. And, uh, 
know, then we'll be talking about defense before I get to my final mock draft, which will be uh, on Wednesday, uh, heading into uh, the draft there on the 23rd. So without further ado, we go ahead and jump into the offensive tackles. Let's go ahead and just jump right in. And, uh, you know, a, a season ago, we had 23 offensive tackles taken and, um, you know, four went off the board in round number one. Jonah Williams, you know, had, had the injury, um, but, you know, he's uh, expected to be the starter there at left tackle for the Bengals. Uh, Andre Dillard really taking over that that position at left tackle now that Jason Peters has, has moved on. Uh, Titus Howard getting playing time there in Houston. Then Caleb McGarry, uh, the surprise uh, 31st overall pick of the Atlanta Falcons. He comes off the board. He gets playing time. Uh, and what's interesting about about the the four offensive tackles is if you look through the 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 drafts prior, the last time we actually had four offensive tackles taken, uh, we had you know Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin, Laramie Tunsil, and Taylor Deckler all coming off the board in round one in 2016. And what's also interesting is is you had two offensive tackles taken in the top ten, and the other two were taken in the top top 20. And so that's a situation that we're looking at right now. We have four elite tackles in this year's draft class, and then there's a drop-off after that. So what we're talking about is Jedrick Wills, the aforementioned Jedrick Wills, uh, you know, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. You have Andrew Thomas out of Georgia and Makai Becton of Louisville. And then after that, it kind of has a drop-off and there's a group of tackles that we'll get into and talk about here in a little bit. But going back to 2019, you know, Juwan Taylor, Greg Little, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, and, and Max Sharping sitting there in round number two towards the end. Uh, they're both starters at the guard position, you know, really looking good. Uh, you know, Trey Pipkin's got a little bit of playing time for the Chargers. Uh, Chuma Doga, B- uh, Bobby Evans filling in nicely for the Jets and uh, Rams, respectively. They came off the board in round number three. Um, you know, so there there have been some you know, some players that have already gotten to see some playing time. Uh, you know, 2018. Um, you know, we said 23 tackles, only 19 tackles taken in 2018. And, and when you look at that draft class, you know, obviously Mike McGlinchey and, and Colton Miller are the two that came off the board in round number one. You know, Brian O'Neill is a guy who I think could end up being the left tackle there for the Vikings, currently the right tackle. Um, you know, Orlando Brown, you know, ran that abysmal 40 at the combine, but look, he's going to be a mainstay at the right tackle there for the, for the Baltimore Ravens for a lot of years to come. Um, you know, if you go back even further, you know, Garrett Bowles, Ryan Ramchek, you know, Ramchek was taking number 32 overall. Now he's a pro bowler. Um, you know, that was a draft, um, you know, looking at it, you know, Sam Tevy struggled uh, this past season as a starter. You know, he was a sixth round pick in that draft though. Uh, Cam Robinson battled injuries with the Jaguars, second round pick. Um, but, you know, most of these guys were, were mostly... Uh, guys that filled depth, and that was, you know, again, the, the strength of that draft class, only 15 tackles taken there. Uh, 2016, only 18 tackles taken in that draft, even though we were heavy at the top, um, not a whole lot of, uh, of depth to the position overall. Um, so I, I think the league is really hungry for offensive tackles, you know, tackles that are going to uh, really make a, a difference in guys that can make the team. I've got 20 tackles coming off the board. And when I look at the tackle position, I think I have some some guys there as well that I think will ultimately end up transitioning to the guard position. But I got 20. 
20 coming off the board. I think they're going to be five, maybe six tackles taken in round number one um, with, with another two to three uh, coming off the board in round two. Um, I, I think there are some really good um, tackles, you know, projects, athletes. They're really raw um, that can come off the board round number three. Uh, and then from there, you know, they're, there's some some guys that are scattered through there, whether it's injury history, um, playing at at uh, you know, lesser talent that'll come off the board somewhere on on uh, on day three. Uh, but guys that I, again I think can still make make an impact at the next level. So tackle position, obviously, that's something that we want to focus on um, for for much of this draft uh, podcast. You know, looking at the guard position. You know, the guards, you know, that's another position that, uh, you know, look, you know, last season we had uh, 12, ta- uh, 12 guards taken and, um, you know, we had 12 guards, you know, that came off the board in 2017 um, and uh, 2018, just nine, you know, but we did have two uh, guards taken in round number one. And I mean, really 2018 um, for as few guards as we had the depth at the top end of that draft, I mean, it was actually pretty impressive. You know, you had Quentin Nelson, the all-everything offensive guard. Isaiah Wynn, really a tackle there for the Patriots, but listed as a guard um, because of the fact that he was only 6'2", uh, but showing that he can be an offensive tackle at the next level. Will Hernandez coming off the board, round two to the Giants. Uh, Braden Wilson, or I'm sorry, Braden Smith coming off the board, going to the Colts, you know, guy that can actually play tackle for them. Um, you know, Wyatt Teller also gotten some starting, uh, you know, some starting looks there for the Bills. Um, so 2018, even though, like I said, the depth, you know, wasn't all that impressive um, overall uh, for the draft class at the very top of that group. I mean, you want to talk about some a loaded group. That was pretty impressive. I look at 2016. 2016, we had... Uh, Gosh, 17 offensive ta- offensive guards taken. And what's in- incredible about this draft is you had Joshua Garnett and Jermaine Effetti come off the board in round number one. But then the depth, Nick Martin transitioned to, to center for the, for the Texans. Cody Whitehair, a center for the Bears. Joe Tooney, uh, you know, Patriots. You know, he was a, a starter right away. Isaac Somalo getting uh, starting, pl- starting time there in Philly. Um... Gosh, let's see. Connor McGovern going to the Broncos. Joe Dahl getting some starting time there with, with the Lions. Um, Wes Schweitzer, you know, he's moved on to Washington, but he he was a starter for Atlanta. Ted Karras, he's actually, um, I want to say he's in Miami now, uh, but another guy got some starting experience and uh, is going to challenge for a starting spot there with the Dolphins. So that was actually another draft class where you had quite a few guys that are still making an impact. This past draft, we had just one player uh, taken in round number one, and that's Chris Lindstrom going to Atlanta, uh, struggled with some injuries, and then only three other players were taken off the board um, in the first two days. You know, Michael Dieter, Nate Davis, and Connor McGovern all coming off the board in round number three. And Nate Davis really looked good for Tennessee, especially uh, down the stretch in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Drew Samia is going to get some some looks there in Minnesota in round number four. I think Phil Haynes is also going to be a guy in Seattle that's going to get some looks, as is uh, Ben Powers coming from Baltimore. So guard position, 12 guards coming off the board. You know, And you can see that... 
you know, this has really been another position that's kind of been up and down. And I think teams wanting to make sure that they're protecting their quarterbacks. Um, I, I think this is going to be a position that teams are really going to focus on. And I look at the guards and I've got uh, 14 guards that are coming off the board. Um, I don't have any guards coming off the board in round number one. I think round three is going to kind of be the sweet spot. I've got five guards coming off the board there. I've got Robert Hunt uh, as my sole second round guard. Um, and then the center position, you know, the draft and the pivot, um, really kind of one of those things to where it, it really is kind of up in the air. Um, you know, you go back to 2014, you had nine centers taken, none of them coming off the board in round number one, uh, 2015, you had Cam Irving going 19th overall to the Browns, uh, but only eight total centers taken then. Uh, 2016, again, Ryan Kelly going to the Colts in the first round, but just seven centers overall taken. Um, 2017, just seven centers taken um, and only two taken in in the first two days of the draft. Transitioning to 2018, that was when we have Frank Ragnow and Billy uh, Price come off the board, 20 and 21 overall. Um, really a deep draft in terms of the number of selections with 11, um, you know, quite a few guys that are still making an impact for, for a team there in the, in the league this past season, though, we only have five, just five centers taken Garrett Bradbury struggled a little bit there in Minnesota. Elgin Jenkins should get some playing time there with the Packers, Eric McCoy, day one starter. Uh, those were the three guys that came off the board, um, in round number one. I'm sorry, in the in the first three rounds, uh, the first two days of the draft. So five total centers. Um, I'm looking at this center class, and I think we have a chance um, to have as many as nine come off the board. And so we're going to jump into that. I do have one center coming off the board in round number one, two in round two, and another one in round three. And uh, I think we've got some guys that can fill in some gaps after that. So let's go ahead and jump over back over to that tackle position and really take a look at who we're talking about here. And I mentioned Jedrick Wills and Jedrick Wills is a guy who, to me, I look at him, I look at his game. I think some of the past sets are, are the best in all of college football uh, a season ago, a guy who uh, very light on his feet. You know, I, I think he fires out of his stance in a hurry, meets the rushers on the edge, the lateral quick, lateral quickness is effortless. He looks like a basketball player in his stance, getting real low bends at his knees, um, maintains leverage throughout the play, very powerful as well, showing that he can unlock his hips, provide that initial punch, stuns his man. Once he's got that leverage and he has his man square, not only lateral agility to mirror his defender, but then is also looking to finish you. He has that that mean streak and able to drive you into the ground. Um, I think if he does get, get into trouble, pass protection, it's because he overextends himself. When he's under control, maintaining a wide base, he can absolutely be dominant. Even if he is beaten, he has the skills to quickly recover. Uh, so he's a guy to me, um, you know, even if he's out in space, I think he does a great job locating and locking onto the moving target. Um, you know, and, and what was really fun, if you got to watch Bama and, uh, and Auburn play uh, this, this past season, um, really, lo- you know, look to finish on the edge on, on a six-yard touchdown by Najee Harris. Uh, this judo throw that he had on um, Marlon Davidson, who's a you know six-three, three hundred three pounder, um, just really got under his pad level and, and threw him, which opened this gaping hole for a touchdown for for Najee, uh, Najee Harris. Now Jedrick Wills, look, he is only six-four, uh, three hundred twelve pounds. Uh, the six-four, not ideal height for an offensive tackle. 
but uh, over 34 inch arm, so that's definitely adequate. And we talk about you know the 40 times. You know, it's not really a huge you know a huge deal uh, because you're never going to have an offensive tackle that's running 40 yards. But he ran a 505 40, uh, so he is showing off some some pretty decent athleticism for a guy his size. Um, you know, also busted off a 34 and a half inch vertical leap, uh, just two inches shy of the record that was set by Tristan Wirfs. Definitely a tremendous athlete. And look, you know, if I'm the Giants, I'm debating back and forth whether or not I go Simmons or I go Wills. And yes, you know, you could have uh, have Simmons there at uh, at number four, but when you think about the last two drafts and who you selected. You've taken Saquon Barkley and you've taken Daniel Jones. I think, you know, if you go defense, yes, you know, you're getting arguably the the most talented uh, or the highest ceiling uh, defensive player not named Chase Young in the draft. But when you have a chance to get the number one guy at a position, you know, you know, that's going to protect your running back and your and your your quarterback that's got to be priority number one and I think Jedrick Wills look you know Joe Judge was a, an Alabama assistant he's got a connection there to to Jedrick Wills as well I think at the end of the day uh, that's the direction that he decides to go and then he can look at getting pass rushers and, and addressing. Uh, some of those needs on defense. I think there are other ways to really you know, address some of those needs. You really can't address it any other way than finding a tackle that's going to be able to uh, get the job done both uh, in the passing game and on the ground. Now moving on to, to Tristan Wirfs, my number two tackle, 6'5", 320. Uh, the versatile junior, you know, I've got him going to, to Arizona and look, you know, ran a 4.8540 at the combine. Everyone remembers that. Set the records: 36 and a half inch vertical leap and a 10 foot one inch broad jump. Absolutely ridiculous. Look, you know, only 16 of the 46 receivers at the combine jumped higher than Worfs in the vertical. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, and and before the season, uh, you know, I remember Brandon Sheriff, you know, doing the uh, the hang clean on, on YouTube. What does Worfs do? Worfs shows up and. Puts him, him, you know, puts himself on the map uh, as this physically gifted offensive tackle, 450 pound hang clean that he made e- made it look easy and did three reps. I don't remember if if Sheriff was able to do three reps, but you know, Sheriff now is a Pro Bowl guard with uh, w- with the Redskins, and I'm looking at Wurfs and I'm like, this guy's not getting out of the top ten. You know, the athleticism is there. A guy who can play left tackle, he did so in a pinch. Um, you know. When Alaric Jackson went down to injury, I think his home is at right tackle, but he could also slide into guard. And if I'm looking at at uh, Arizona, Arizona has DJ Humphreys at left tackle, a guy who um, you know finally played an entire season this past year. He'll be the left tackle. He re-signed uh, Marcus Gilbert for one year. He's not the long-term answer at right tackle, but look, you can have if Gilbert's healthy, you can essentially play Gilbert at right tackle and move worse to guard. And then that really upgrades your overall offensive line. Uh, you know, this is a line that gave up 50 or more sacks in, in three straight seasons. Absolutely unacceptable. You have to protect your investment, protect Kyler Murray. And uh, I think that absolutely is going to happen. Worse, the the athleticism, absolutely on display. You know, if you watch that, that Rose Bowl, I'm sorry, the, the Holiday Bowl against USC, Worfs was repeatedly getting out in front of the ball carrier, whether it was a receiver or a running back, and was the lead blocker, just really leading the way 
um, you know, the athleticism, um, you know, in the passing game makes it look easy, very effortless with his kick slide, very light on his feet. I like this pick. I think Arizona really being able to uh, solidify that offensive line allows them to take a look at and move on after that. Also uh, getting DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you've got Kenyon Drake. I think they're going to address the running back position probably, you know, day two of the draft. Uh, to get another running back to go along with Kenyon Drake. But getting DeAndre Hopkins was huge because that allows him to strictly focus on offensive tackle here in round number one. So the next tackle, really it's a a big debate. Is it going to be Andrew Thomas? Is it going to be Makai Becton? I think it's ultimately going to be Andrew Thomas. I think, you know, there's Makai Becton. There's issues with his weight. There's a, a flag drug sample. Do the Browns really you know, want to go there? I, I know that there are a lot of people that are backing up uh, Makai Becton, saying that look, there's no way that he failed this drug test. You know, the, you know, a drug test. I know it might have been flagged. You know, Zach Bonds' uh, test was flagged. The, the linebacker out of Wisconsin it was flagged because it was it looked like a diluted sample, and really, he said he drank too much water trying to bulk up and add some additional weight uh, for the weigh-ins to to impress scouts. So. You know, I, I would you know reserve you know judgment there, but I, I look at Andrew Thomas and you know he he was I, to me he's he's one of the more consistent tackles, um, you know and look Cleveland Baker Mayfield can't run for his life, you know and he can't develop as a quarterback you know and and a lot of people were giving him a hard time because he was fleeing the pocket and was heading left or right he was fleeing and getting out of there getting out of dodge even when there weren't. Uh, pass rushers. He had time. He could step up. But the problem was his tackles were an embarrassment, frankly, and weren't really getting the job done. So yeah, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm getting out of there as quickly as I can. And so that really you know, played a huge part in his regression. Getting Jake, uh, Jack Conklin at the beginning of free agency, huge signing. Takes care of that right side of the line. Um, but you need a left tackle. And I think that's where it's going to come down to Becton and it's going to, uh, and, and Andrew Thomas. Becton, when I look at Baker Mayfield, what makes sense with, with Becton is Mayfield is used to playing you know, with a guy who is that big. You know, 6'7", 360 pounds. Orlando Brown Jr., you know, that, was, that was his left tackle there at OU. So there's... There is some some comfort with having a tackle that big, but I look at, at Andrew Thomas. He's a three-year starter, experience at both tackle positions, a mauler in the run game. You know, you got Nick Chubb, a guy. You know, this is a guy who uses those powerful hands to strike, beat up anyone lining in front of him. Um, you know, he does get top-heavy, locks out his arms, and, and you know, the upper body uh, gets over his toes, gets him off balance, struggles sustaining blocks at times, but. You know, the, the agility, you know, he has lateral agility uh, in uh, in his pass sets when he's balanced and under control and not leaning forward. Um, I think he gets uh, depth to his kick slide, uh, easily picks up the edge rusher, shows off a quick power step back inside to neutralize any secondary moves. Also able to reset his feet, anchoring with, him, uh, with impressive uh, leverage as well. Also has 36 and an eighth inch arms uh, to keep the rushers at a distance. And when he's more upright, he can easily mirror the, the defender's movement. 
to me, I look at Andrew Thomas. I think he's the number three tackle in this year's draft. Browns make a whole lot of sense, which then means Makai Becton, you know what, consolation prize, you get to go play with the GOAT in, in Tampa Bay. This guy's huge. Um, you know, like I said, 6'7", 368 pounds, just a massive, massive hu- human being. And uh, seven-foot wingspan, enormous size, allows him to engulf defenders at the point of attack. Kick-out blocks are legendary, just firing out of his stance, you know, and showing so much power that he's driving guys off their feet, just throwing them around. And and look, he's not just uh, not just a big dude. Um, you know, ran a 5-1-0-40 time. You know, for reference, uh, you know, Dame Brugler compared him to Bryant McKinney. And look, you know, Mount McKinney was the seventh overall pick in 2002, ran a 5-1-3-40. So, you know, Becton's in great company. You know, I think his pad level can get a little bit high at times. And, uh, you know, that, that, that high center of gravity, he really has to work on on his leverage. And, um, you know, it's also, like I said, the, the, the issues with his weight. And the issues with the the flagged sample that may be enough for him to slide just a little bit. If that does happen, then I, I think Bruce Arians would love to land uh, his left tackle of the future. You know, you've got Donovan Smith already on the roster. You need a right tackle, um, and you know that's you know that's going to be the thing that's going to be a little tricky. You know, is is do you move Donovan Smith over to right tackle with Mackay Becton there? I think in terms of the fit, and I'm still back and forth with this. I think Becton may actually be a better fit in Cleveland because of what Baker Mayfield is used to at his left tackle position, at least you know in college. And I think that Andrew Thomas actually fits better in Tampa because he has the versatility to play both positions. We'll see how things play out in the draft. Um, you know that's part of the, part of the fun of things. Really trying to project where everyone's going to go. Um, the only other tackle that I have actually coming off the board in round number one is going to be Josh Jones. And I have Josh Jones going to the Dolphins at number 26. Um, look, you know, consist, model of consistency in, in pass protection. Pro football focused, just 18 pressures on over 1,200 pass blocking snaps. Um, you know, 45 starts under his belt. Athleticism, you know, really relied on his athleticism more than technique. Um, I think that will get cleaned up by the NFL position coaches, but fires quickly out of a stance. Lateral agility, mirrors defenders, um, both on the outside rush and can counter moves back to the inside. Um, you know, I thought his lateral quickness also on display at the Senior Bowl showed really quick feet against the likes of Kenny Willickis and Al, uh, Alton Robinson. Getting you know back inside on their counter moves also has a strength required to absorb the edge rusher's punch at the point of attack. Uh, very active hands. Will lose his anchor at times. Uh, starts bending at his waist, starting to lunge and lean a little bit. Needs to get that cleaned up. Um, you know, I think his kick slide is very effective when he does get a, a deep set and, and can take the proper angle to beat the defensive end to the edge. You know, if he gets a shallow, shallow kick slide, that's where he can get beat at times. Um, delivers quite a punch, um, but the hands again inconsistent with their timing and placement. And I think that's one of the things, you know, his feet will have to play catch up at times. And I think, you know, position coach can fix that. Uh the Dolphins, look, they traded Laramie Tunsil. To Houston, ended up getting this pick you know, because of that that trade, and I think they have to get a tackle. Um, here's the one thing that could be interesting, especially if the if the Giants go Simmons. Could Miami potentially take Jedrick Wills with the number five overall pick, or even Trist, Tristan Wirfs at number five, if if uh, if Wills is off the board? 
then Miami potentially at number 18 could get their quarterback you know, or package 18 and 26 to move up and get their quarterback, whether it's going to be Justin, Justin Herbert or it's, you know, Jordan Love. If they're not sold on Tua, that's actually what I think they, they do or what they should do. You know, unless Justin Herbert absolutely is their guy. If, if they like Jordan Love, I think they get their tackle and then they package their two first round picks, 18 and, and 26, trade back up and get Jordan Love. Again, things to think about, potential options at, at some point. It's going to be really fun and interesting to see how all this plays out. I think after that, you've got a trio of tackles that are coming off the board in round number two. Ezra Cleveland, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson. And for Ezra Cleveland, you know, really a finesse tackle. I think this is one of the guys, you know, he did put up 31 reps at 225 in the bench press at the Combine. You probably saw that. Um, you know, athletic tackle, um, it's really his lower body. He needs to work on on getting that core strength. Can't skip leg day. He's a guy to me that you know ran a four nine three forty. Very impressive athleticism. You know, and you see that. You know, his his ability to slide, keep leverage. Um, you know, very upright style, typewriter style feet, and uh, mirroring is effortless. Um, but he's got to really work on on that lower body strength if he's going to be effective at the next level and for me there's just too much there in terms of development for him for him to be a first round pick 66 311 i i still really like Ezra Cleveland and um look i've got him coming off the board uh it like i said in round 2 and i have him going to the jets the jets you know, I think at some point are going to get a tackle. I think what's critical for, for Joe Douglas is you get that, that number one wide out for Sam Darnold. And then if you're not sold, uh, you know, Chuma Doga there at, at the right tackle position, you've got George Fant who could play both tackle positions. I think Ezra Cleveland can come in and, and challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, Austin Jackson out of USC. You know, another very athletic offensive tackle. You know, a guy who I thought played really well uh, throughout the season. Pretty consistent overall. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me with him going up against A.J. Epinesa, when he fired out of his stance quickly and got his hands on Epinesa and was able to mirror him or drive him down um, away from the pocket, he was winning. He was winning, you know, play after play. And, and I think it was really frustrating a, uh, Epinesa but the problem was, was he, he was late at times with his hands, you know, inconsistent with, with the hands and, and getting that under the pad level. And it was one of those things to where he got overpowered at times by, by Epinesa. And when he didn't get his hands on him early, what Epinesa was able to do was slap those hands down, rip through and set that soft edge, come on, you know, come around and get to Keaton Slovis. So I think there's still some development there out of him. Ran a 507-40 at the combine, 6'5", 322 pounds, over 34-inch arms. I like him to the Bengals, number 33 overall. And then Isaiah Wilson. Again, if uh, Isaiah Simmons comes off the board, number four overall to the Giants, I think Isaiah Wilson's going to be there for the Giants in round number two. Mammoth dude, 6'6", 350 pounds, uh, was the right tackle there at at Georgia? I just if if I'm the if I'm the Giants, I want to get a sure thing. I think with with Wilson, I, I think he's a prospect that can only get better. Um, but I think it's going to take some time. 
And, um, you know, that's why ultimately I think it's going to be Wills is going to come off the board first. But when I look at, at Isaiah Wilson, I think there's no way he's coming off the board any later than, than round two. And in my mock, if I could find him, I actually have him coming off the board to, uh, to Miami in, in round number two. And you're going to say, well, two offensive tackles. Absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely two, two offensive tackles. I think they've got uh, Julian uh, Davenport there. Davenport's been an up and down inconsistent offensive tackle. I think, you know, you have to bring in some competition there. I think Josh Jones is going to do that. Then at the right tackle position, Jesse Davis is playing out of position. He's a guard and he's playing the tackle position. I think you need to really take care of whoever it's going to be playing the quarterback position. Um, you have to take care of him there and uh, you get two tackles. I think, you know, you're, you're well on your way. After that, you know, we're, we're really getting into uh, the next group. So I, I mentioned, you know, back through Becton. And then after that, you had Jones, Cleveland, Jackson, Wilson. Then, then you get into the guys who are really the athletes, the guys who I think are really raw. Um, a, a guy like uh, Matt Pert, you know, the Jamaican. Uh, Jamaican cessation out of uh, Connecticut. 6'7", 318, ran a 506, 40, over, you know, almost 37-inch arm. I mean, this guy is massive. And, uh, you know, pretty decent athlete, really light on his feet. What's really impressive, you know, I compared him to Josh Jones when the Cougars met, uh, met UConn, met, met the Huskies. And you saw just for as flexible as Josh Jones was and the knee bending, I think Matt Pert really took it to another level. This guy can get really low and he fires out of his stance in a hurry. Um, that leverage is something that I think is going to he's really going to use to his advantage. And uh, if you can just get some of that technique down, I think you could really have something. I'm looking at Washington. They need to figure out what they're going to do. Trent Williams, all of that. You get a tackle of the future. I really like Matt Pert going to them there. Um, after that, uh, you know, you've got Prince Tega Winogo, another guy who very athletic, you know, and moves really well, but the hands don't always match the feet. And I think that's one of the things that you kind of have to shore up a little bit. The Chargers sitting there in round three, they have Brian Balaga, who I think is ultimately going to play right tackle. Um, Sam Tevy, you need to have an upgrade there. So I think Balaga moves there. And I think Prince Tegan Winogo can ultimately end up being their left tackle. If you have to, you play Brian, Brian Balaga at left tackle and Tevy at right tackle until you're comfortable with Winogo. But I think you got to get, get the tackle on the field sooner rather than later. That feels a lot of, you know, Feels like it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Lucas Niang at a at a TCU, um, I, I, another guy who you know he battled injuries there at, at, at TCU. Had the season-ending leg injury. Six six three fifteen, really good length, athletic tackle, um, a right tackle I think as well. Um, and, and for me, when I look at him, I'm. You know, I, I targeted a couple of, of different locations for Lucas Niang um, before settling in Minnesota. And the reason being is I think Brian O'Neill, his athleticism, he'll ultimately be the left tackle of the future for the Vikings once they move on from Riley Reef. And I think you need to find that right tackle then. When healthy, Lucas Niang is one of the better right tackles in this draft. And so I, I think getting him in round number three would be a steal. And uh, I, I think you really shore up that, that group there. Uh, Sadiq Charles out of LSU. Another guy who I think um, is very raw. 
know, there are times where the lunging and the leaning, you got to get that cleaned up. You got to really stay uh, balanced. You know, sometimes his base will get a little bit too wide as well, get off balance. But he's 6'4", 321, five, ran a 505-40 at the combine and thought he looked good at times um, in the playoff, you know, against both OU and Clemson. Uh, there were times where he was able to take his man and effortlessly drive him away from the pocket. Um, it's just one of those things to where get him to play a little bit more upright. He wants to bend at the waist a little bit more, wants to to get overextended at times over his toes. That's where he can get himself into trouble. No question, though, he's a he's a tremendous athlete. There are a lot of tools to work with. And Sadiq Charles, you know, I, I've pretty much had him penciled in going to the Rams for quite a while. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, not going to be on the roster much longer. Um, so that has always made a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, really the Rams have to find a tackle at some point. Um, and if I were to look at their board, that's really where I've, I've had Sadiq Charles coming, you know, going to them. I have him going number 104 overall in round number three. Some people think he's going to come off the board in round two. I think that's a little early to get a guy who still, you know, is raw and needs to, to develop a little bit more, give him a year under, uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth's wing, and I, I think he may have something there for the Rams. Um, another guy, look, Ben Barch, St. John's of Minnesota. This is a guy who, tremendous athleticism for a guy coming from a Division three school, and uh, he definitely did not look out of place either at the Senior Bowl or at the Combine. Um, you know, 6'6", 309. He's got just, you know, he's under 33-inch arms, so a lot of people think that he may end up um, playing guard. I actually have him, you know, playing the tackle position, and I think he's going to go to Seattle. And I think Seattle's actually going to take him in round number three. He just feels like a guy that, you know, you can bring in. You've got uh, Dwayne Brown there at the, the left tackle position. You lost uh, George Fant. You brought in... Um, you know, Brandon Shell, is he going to be the answer there at the right tackle spot? I think Ben Barch, you know, the versatility to play both tackle and guard, I think he can end up being the tackle of the future if uh, and when Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Brown moves on. You know, the rest of the guys, you know, uh, Jack Driscoll out of Auburn, uh, a guy who I thought was pretty consistent there at Auburn. At times, he outplayed Prince Tega Winogo, you know, in my opinion. I've got him and uh, him coming off the board in round number five, as, you know, is, is the case with, with Trey Adams out of uh, out of Washington. This was a guy at one point we were talking about potentially being a, a first-round pick, bona fide, you know, hands down first round pick. If he could have come out after a sophomore season, it absolutely would have happened. But then he has the knee injury, uh, has a back injury and, and really, you know, was slow to recover. I thought, you know, he looked slow at times, um, was bending a lot at the waist. You know, it just, the technique kind of went out the door and, uh, it was really disappointing to watch. Um, you know, and, and really kind of frustrating. I know for him as well, you know, six, eight, three eighteen. you know, the athleticism, he just looked a step slower, just, you know, wasn't, as uh, as polished as he used to be, you know, ran a five six forty at the combine as well. Just twenty four and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, I've got him coming off the board in round number five to the Lions. Um, I just, you know, I, I really don't know. He's one of those guys that's going to be a boomer bust player. You know, you know, draft at your own risk. Um, you know, same goes for Alex, Alex Taylor, the big guy out of uh, out of South Carolina State. I think round five makes sense because he does have the athleticism. But uh, if you watched him at the, you know, during the season or 
at the senior bowl, this guy's got chicken legs. He's got these little tiny legs. And so he's going to have to get into a weight room. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to need to, to put on some, you know, some pounds and really work. Uh, and he's six, eight has the frame to put on some additional pounds. He's, you know, 308 pounds over 36 inch arms, Ran a 509.40 at the combine, so there's a lot to work with. You saw the athleticism, you know, especially at the combine, going up against, um, you know, higher competition than what he was used to at South Carolina State. I think there's potential there, but uh, if you draft him anything higher than than round number five, you have to understand what you're getting. You're going to be getting a project. I thought Terrence Steele out of Texas Tech. Um, I was always watching Travis Bruffy there at, at Tech, and you know I, I realized towards the end of the season that the guy that I really should be focusing on is Steele. 6'6", 312, ran a 503.40, uh, showed off some pretty good athleticism there at the right tackle position. To me, he feels like a guy that you can take in, in round five or round six, has that athleticism to potentially be a guy that um, could work his way into, into a starting rotation. Um, has some fringe starter potential, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Yasir Durant out of Missouri. I think this is a guy that's um, big kid, 6'6", 331 pounds. Um, you know, so he has that has the tremendous size, could potentially kick inside to guard, um, not overly quick laterally, and I think that's what gets him into trouble at times. But look, he was a guy that protected Drew Locke, um, protected – Kelly Bryant was one of the more consistent offensive linemen there for Mizzou. Um, I think he, he'll he be a late draft pick um, there in round number seven. I think Tyree Phillips out of uh, Mississippi State, he's another guy that I think could potentially kick in and, and play guard. 6'5", 331 pounds, um, you know, big physical dude, over 35-inch uh, arms, um, you know, and, and big old hands as well. A guy that's just going to lock onto you and, and really just drive you away. Um, not the most explosive in, in terms of his lower body explosiveness, just a, uh, you know, 25 inch vertical leap. And, uh, you know, but for me, you put him inside at the guard position. And I think that's, you know, someone that can, can get the job done. And then Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia, six, six, three Oh six, uh, did run that five, three, five forty. Um, you know, this was a guy who looked like, you know, he was an all big 10, I'm sorry, all big 12 offensive tackle, but, if you watched him at the at the combine, I'm sorry, at the senior bowl, this is a guy that was getting beaten left and right, just beaten like a drum uh, by the speed rushers. That's really a huge concern for me. Uh, and I think that ultimately McKivitz is another guy that can kick inside, but I think he has a chance to to stick with the team because of his versatility. Now, if we go ahead and move on to the guard position, um, again, you know, I, I've mentioned that. Louisiana has uh, two two guards in this draft that uh, are going to get drafted. And when you think about Louisiana, you don't think about um, them being a hotbed for for offensive linemen. But Billy Napier is doing something there with the Raging Cajuns, uh, and Robert Hunt played tackle uh, there at Lu- uh, Louisiana. And then you had Kevin Dotson, didn't work out at the combine, but a guy that I think could potentially be a, a starter at the next level. Uh, both very physical, and that's really that power running game that they had. You, know, you had Raymond Calais, Trey Regis, and Elijah Mitchell. I've talked about these guys a lot, and really it was it was a fun offense to watch. Um, you know, they had some underrating, you know, underrated passing game. They had Jamarcus Bradley, their receiver, who's also in this draft, a guy who I think could be a late pick, more than likely is going to be a, a priority free agent at the receiver position. 
But I think with that running game, uh, Raymond Calais, a little bit of an undersized running back. I, I don't see him getting drafted. He'll be a priority free agent. But I think Regis and Mitchell, Mitchell's going to be the guy of the three running backs that I think is going to have the most um, attention potentially in next year's draft. Um, but Robert Hunt, he's big, he's physical, uh, 6'5", 323 pounds, athletic mover, um, you know, got injured down the stretch, wasn't able to compete at the combine. I really like him um, coming off the board on day two. And uh, there are a couple of different teams that have kind of had him plugged in with. You know, I, I thought Carolina might be a nice fit. Um, I've thought Jacksonville at one point could be a nice fit for him as well. And ultimately, if I can find my second round selection, I just had it in front of me. Um, I actually have Hunt going to the Ravens. So I think this is a guy, you know, when I look at the Ravens too, um, you know, I, I actually have the Ravens taking a, a guard slash center uh, in round number one. But I think round two, I think they, they, they double up on, on the position. You lose Marshall Yanda. You've got uh, Bradley Bozeman as your only guard with, with real play, you know, playing experience on the, on the roster, um, at least last year for the Ravens. And, you know, Matt Skura is battling injury, um, you know, coming back from the patellar injury. Uh, ben Powers has a chance to start at right guard. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at it. If you can potentially bring in um, Robert Hunt and Cesar Ruiz, upgrade that line, and then really Bozeman and, and Powers can battle it out for the remaining guard spot, you know, along with Stanley and Brown at the at the tackle position, you can really take care of uh, your reigning MVP in, in Lamar Jackson. So then the, the next guard that I have coming off the board is Damian Lewis out of LSU. Very physical presence there. Um, you know, he and, and Sadiq Charles were, were – were movers in that that offensive line up front. Um, I thought you know Lewis was was physical, uh, 6'2", 327 pounds. He's going to look to maul. He's going to look to beat you up. And, and those are some of the fun you know the, the the most fun offensive linemen to watch because they they want to the, the physicality is absolutely there. And guys who are just they're looking to just grab a hold of you, and plant you. And, and I'm looking at the Raiders as a potential landing spot for for Damian Lewis, 81 overall. Um, you know, I think Richie Incognito is going to be playing there forever. Um, so I, I think that Damian Lewis could potentially be that physical presence on that line um, down the road there for the Raiders. Uh, Jonah Jackson, I, I thought he was a model of consistency. Not the best athlete. You know, he's 6'5", 306, ran a 5'2", 340 at the Combine. You know, if you're looking for athletes, he may not necessarily be your guy, but what you do have is a technician, a guy who just always got the job done there at Ohio State. And uh, look, you got to protect TB12. I mentioned they were taking a tackle in round number one. I think round three, you have to go uh, with the guard. Um, you know, If I'm Tom Brady, I'm looking at it. I want Tampa Bay to really focus on protecting me and getting me more weapons. And I think that's what, you know, the, the Bucks do in uh, with their picks in the first four rounds. After that, you can start looking at the defense, looking at some of the other positions. But first four rounds, I think that really has to be your target after that. Um, you know, staying in round number three, I'm looking at the Chiefs. They lost Stefan Wisniewski. They have some battles, you know, with injury. Um... Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, LDT, 
Um, and, and Andrew Wiley battled injury there. Austin Ryder, the center, did as well. I'm looking at John Simpson out of Clemson. He's going to bring some physicality to the position. 6'4", 330 pounds. Another guy who's just going to beat you up. You know, plays with a mean strength. Very physical and uh, you know, a guy that can anchor at the point of attack very well. 6'4", 321 pounds, over 34-inch arms, um, which you don't always see at the at the guard position. Um, I think he could potentially be a day one starter for them. Um, so I really like that pick. And uh, let's see. How about Natani Mute? Or Muti? You know, a guy who I think every year... You know, it was three years at Fresno State. He's torn his knee twice, um, hasn't been able to finish a season. But, you know, if you put on the game against USC, you know, when they played Fresno State, this guy was absolutely dominant at the guard position. And Mooties, look, 6'3", 315 pounds. Just keep him on the field. That's going to be the biggest question mark, you know, if, if you're going to be able to do that. And I'm looking at Cleveland. I, I, I kind of like this pick because, again, the, Cleveland needs to shore up that offensive line and protect um, – Baker Mayfield. You have Joel Batonio at left guard, Wyatt Teller at right guard. I think they need some competition there. There's really no depth behind them. I really like this pick, and that's going to be a guy that could potentially be a starter uh, sooner rather than later there for the Browns. Um, if he can be more more consistent, you know, I, I think more than anything else. Um, so then we move on to the guys in round number four. And looking at round four, what's going to be interesting um, I think at least uh, you're going to see some of these guys that you know, are the, the polished guys, the guys that um, I, I don't think there's going to be as much fanfare. They're not as athletic, but guys who just get the job done and uh, you know, guys that have, you know, the longevity to them. Shane Lemieux, you know, I, I want to say, you know, there are over 50 starts there at Oregon, 6'4", 310 pounds, um, not the most athletic but a guy who just got the job done, you know, very physical, you know, a guy who I, you know, can move a little bit in, in, uh, in pass protection as well. Um, and a guy who I just think a heady player, a guy who's going to be consistent. And, uh, I'm looking at the lions. I think that's going to be a nice pick there. You know, I, I think knowing what the, what the lions took Joe Dahl, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I, I think you need to get a guard in there that's going to challenge for a starting spot. Joe Dahl, Ode Ibushi right now, penciled in as a as a starter. Josh Garnett on the roster. Uh, Kenny Wiggins as well. Bo Benshaw, either a center or a guard. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, this is the guy that can come in there and potentially start for them. You know, And I think uh, Lemieux could start sooner rather than later when it's all said and done. Um, another guy that you're going to see potentially come off the board in round number four is going to be Solomon Kinley. You know, he, he is a, a junior, but uh, has quite a few starts there under his belt at, at Georgia. 6'3", 337 pounds, a mauler, a guy in the running game that's going to be big and physical. You know, uh, I thought Shaq Mason, when the Patriots took him, he was one of those athletic guards. Um, but I think Patriots, you know, especially with the, the, that stable of running backs, I, I think they need to get physical. They get, need to get more physical up front. I think Solomon Kinley could be a guy that can do that. So I think Patriots end up getting Kinley. Uh, how about Ben Bredesen out of Michigan? Another guy over 40 starts, 6'5", 315 pounds. Um, technician, guy who works hard, very athletic, um, I think, in terms of at least getting out and pulling, getting to the second level. Um, you saw that a lot. He and John Runyon, 
you know, inconsistent at times, but a guy who I thought was one of the more consistent guards. He's a guy that I think could potentially, you know, he could potentially come off the board in round two, possibly even round three, but I think round four is kind of the sweet spot. And um, he's a guy that, you know, there, there are a number of teams that he could potentially go to. So, you know, Bredesen makes sense in round number four, as does Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon. You know, 6'5", 317 pounds, played right tackle. You know, he's really played every position, I think, um, there at Oregon. Um, had to fill in at left tackle when Panay Sewell went down a season ago. Also played center when Jake Hansen was battling injuries. Play, you know, he'll probably play guard at the next level, but look, his position was, was right tackle. He plays all over. Um, very consistent performer, not the most athletic, and that's what what worries me about you know him playing uh, tackle at the next level. I think he has to kick inside to guard, but you know his versatility, you know nothing else, you know says hey he's probably going to end up being at least a, a fourth rounder. I think this is the right right spot for him. Six five three seventeen. I've got him going to Seattle in uh, in round number four. So that kind of rounds out my guards in uh, in the fourth round. And you know, moving on to you know the the rest of the group, you know, I think when you look at Kevin Kevin Dotson, I mentioned him, a, a big physical dude, uh, really a road grader, 6'4", 321 pounds, very athletic uh, as well. I, I think um, you know for his size, because you know this is a guy that can get to the, you know he can climb to the second level, um, will get beaten at times with speed, but look, I, I still think he's a pretty athletic dude. And, uh, you know, generated a ton of movement um, along the interior of that offensive line. Uh, I think John, uh, Hakeem Adeniji is another guy that you really have to keep an eye on there at Kansas. Um, was a tackle for the Jayhawks. I think he's going to kick inside to guard. 6'4", 302, ran a 5'1", 740, uh, 34-inch vertical leap. Tremendous athlete. You know, he's a guy, look, he could potentially end up kicking uh, outside the tackle in a pinch, but uh, I, I think ultimately guard is probably going to um, be probably the best case scenario for him. I think John Runyon is a guy who, you know, he, he played tackle, and I don't think he gets drafted if he's just a ta- you know, you're just keeping him there at the tackle position, but I think he can kick inside the guard, and I think he'd be a very effective guard at the next level. Um, you know, and he's somebody for me that I have, I've had penciled in there. Um, in the anywhere between the fifth and the seventh round, um, but a guy who look he's six four three oh six ran a five oh eight forty looked really good in the postseason as well. Um, so I think that solidified his his uh, ability to get drafted. Uh, Kyle Murphy out of Rhode Island. Rhode Island's going to have three guys drafted in this year's draft, and I like Kyle Murphy. I've got him going to the Patriots. He's six three three hundred sixteen pounds. Um, and uh, you know, played tackle for them. He's going to be a guard at the next level. I think that's there's no question about that. Um, but this was a, a guy uh, when you talk about guys generating movement. This guy would lock on and just absolutely dominate uh, his opponent lining across him, drive him down the field five, ten yards um, before finishing his block. A guy that you know you just you have to watch him play. It reminds you of if you ever watched the movie The Blind Side uh, when you know Michael Orr, uh, the character playing Michael Orr just driving a guy all the way down the field and dumping him, uh, you know, past the end zone and, and dumping him over the fence. That's really kind of what you saw out of this guy. It, it, you know, it, it was reminiscent of that because he was just taking his guy and just really just driving him down the field and uh, just wouldn't let go. Just 
would just continue to drive him. Um, you know, plays to the whistle, plays really hard, and uh, I think he's a guy who has a chance to stick because I, I really love you know, his, his demeanor out on the football field. And then finally, you know, my last guard that I have that's getting drafted, Tremaine Ankrum. I and look, Ankrum has a chance to potentially be a fifth round pick. You know, he played tackle. He was a right tackle there at Clemson. I think he's going to kick inside to guard. He, he's an under undersized player and I think that's ultimately why he could potentially fall to the to the seventh round he's 6'2 314 pounds um you know ran a 5'2 140 uh a guy that I you know look he's intelligent you know he, he has a lot of starts under his belt there at Clemson and uh you know I, I think there are a number of teams that could use his sort of services and you know when you start talking about guys coming off the board in the sixth seventh round range it's kind of hard to get a gauge um you know Scott Scott uh, France out of uh, Kansas State, a guy who wasn't invited to the combine. You kind of forget about him. He's 6'4", 6'5", 306 pounds. His first couple of years there at Kansas State, especially when he played opposite Dalton Reisner, I thought you know this was a guy you know playing against some of the, the elite pass rushers in the Big 12. He more than held his own. Showed some really good athleticism. I thought you know his tape as a senior um, scared me a little bit. You know This was a guy I thought that he regressed at times. Um, but I think I still think there isn't uh, enough skill to work with, and I mentioned him here with the guards, not the tackles. Because I think, like Dalton Reisner, I think this is a guy that can kick inside and uh, potentially give a team um, some of that some of that versatility up front. And then finally, the the center position, and I mentioned that uh, I had Caesar Ruiz going to Baltimore um, mainly because he's a guy that can play both both center and guard, um, and I mentioned that. You know, Marshall Yanda, the eight eight-time Pro Bowler, retired. So you have Bradley Bozeman and then Ben Powers. Um, and Bozeman really the only guy that has a starting experience. Um, Skura, you know, they lost him. Um he's in the last year of his deal here in 2020, but you know, ugly leg injury cut short a season, you know, during week 12. Um, uh, so I think the Ravens get a lineman with some versatility. You can plug him in at guard right away. Uh, you know. Depending that on the health of, of Matt Skura, he could potentially slide over to, to center as well. Ruiz played ten games uh, as a freshman, started five at right guard, um, and then moved over to the pivot. Started the next twenty six games for the Wolverines. Technically sound athlete, um, always working to the whistle. I think that's one of the things you see his head always on a swivel, looking for for a uh, you know a, a man to block. Bends well, fires off the ball, low pad level. When he maintains leverage, very effective on his seal blocks, getting his hips around in a hurry, uh, opening up a hole for the running back. Um, Agility makes him a perfect candidate to pull as a lead blocker. Gets to the second level in a hurry, but also very under control to make contact and lock on to that moving target. Whenever he gets his hands on a defender, he's looking to finish the block in the most devastating way possible. And pass protection fires out of his stance again in a hurry after the snap. Getting those hands when he snaps the ball, gets those hands right underneath the interior lineman's pad level. Good initial punch at the point of attack. Maintains active feet, has the lateral agility to, to maintain, you know, make those mirroring uh, movements look pretty effortless. Um, but he can get his, you know, if he doesn't get his hands on on the guy, because if he can, he's going to sustain the block to the whistle. But if not, um, you know, those hands don't get on there. He's susceptible to some quick pass rush moves. You know, you'll see guys that will use a quick arm over or rip through and shoot into that, that A gap and put pressure on the quarterback. 
He'll get overextended at times. He'll get too far over his feet. He'll lose leverage, causing him to get driven back, lose some balance at times in the running game. So uh, he needs to work on some of that technique. But I think this is a guy who can be a, a plug-and-play day one starter, um, You know, an ascending prospect, a guy who just continues to, to soar up draft boards, 6'3", 307. I think... You know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about Ben Bredesen, but the more you watch Cesar Ruiz play, the more you're like, you know what, this guy is going to be a guy that's going to, um, you know, going to end up being a player. Ran a 508 40 at the combine. His hands were huge, measured in, you know, 11 inch hands. He and, uh, um, you know, John Simpson, Alex Taylor, you know, these, these monster hands over 11 inches. Um, guys that you know when you have these big meat hooks you're just going to lock on to somebody and once you grab a hold of them it's going to be really hard to let you know for these guys to let go um so i, I think Cesar ruiz absolutely a guy that's going to come off the board in round number one and i mentioned matt hennessy matt hennessy at temple this is a guy who could potentially end up in in carolina when it's all said and done because i know that matt rule looks for um his temple guys i think he's going to probably look for some guys that he that he coached at baylor i think james lynch the the defensive end out of baylor is going to end up there in carolina probably in the third round uh, but matt hennessy one of the best pass protectors at the at the pivot in this draft um a, a guy who i, I want to say pro football focus noted that i, I think he was effective on 98.2% of his, his pass blocks. Um, something ridiculous. I think he offered up only two pressures um, in, in 2018. A, a guy who, you know, he, he's not the not the strongest guy at the point of attack, but tremendously athletic. Um, 6'4", 307, ran a 5'1", 840. He's the guy who I think could potentially be a day one starter, a team that, that's going to bring him in. Um I think it, it makes makes a lot of sense. You know, I think the Giants need a center. I think uh, Atlanta, the Falcons, um, life without Alex Mack, I think that could potentially happen. And I think Denver is also going to be on the market for a center um, because Graham Glasgow probably going to play the uh, the guard position, and then you get the the rookie to kind of be the the center and and get some help. Um, from some of those guys around him, I think Lloyd Cushenberry out of LSU, another center who uh, is going to get drafted early. I think he'll be a a, a third round pick, six three, three hundred twelve pounds, really long arms, thirty four and an eighth inch arms. You don't see that very often out of the center position. I thought he was the most consistent uh, offensive lineman there for the national champs uh, at LSU. Um, I think he comes off the board as I mentioned. In uh, I had him potentially going off the board in round two. And I'm checking my latest draft board to make sure that that is still the case. Um, and I believe that is. Where'd he go? Because Cushenberry, I, I think he's another guy who could be a, a day one starter. Yeah, I've got him going to Houston. I think, you know, with Nick, Nick Martin there, I, I think you can get a potential upgrade. Houston sitting there at number 40. Put some, you know, get some protection up front for Deshaun Watson. Cushenberry could end up being that guy there um, in round number two. And I got Houston taking him number 40 overall. So, you know, guy, you know, three centers potentially coming off the board in the first 40 picks. Round number three, I think Tyler Biotis out of Wisconsin started every game for, for the Badgers uh, since this freshman year. Um, a guy who is tremendously intelligent, high football IQ. 
you know, look, he, he blocked all three seasons for, for Jonathan Taylor, a guy who went, you know, missed just, you know, 23 yards shy of, of being the first running back to go over 2,000 yards in three straight seasons. And then after uh, Bo Benshaw, David Edwards, and, and Michael Dieter all left, three offensive, you know, four offensive linemen total that, that left because really uh, Cole Van Landen was kind of a part-time starter there at left tackle. He's working with a brand new line and Jonathan Taylor still ran for over 2,000 yards. Some of that credit up front has to go to Beatis, um, the, the one constant there up front. 6'4", 314 pounds, not the most athletic guy, but a guy that can still get out um, as a lead blocker, uh, can climb to the second level a little bit. He's going to be very physical between uh, between the tackles and, and a guy that uh, I think you know wherever he goes, uh, they're going to want to run behind him because of his, um, his savviness, his ability to to just shut guys down and really put some blocks um, there on the interior of that line. I think Denver, um, with some of that zone blocking that they, they normally do there in Denver, I think that would be a nice fit there for, for Tyler Beattis. So moving on from there, I, I think San Francisco, they need to potentially address that center position. Um, you know, And I, I think there potentially are some options for them. Um, I, I'm ultimately looking at Nick Harris. Uh, because Harris has that versatility, I think he can play center, and I think he can also play um, play guard. I think he can slide inside and, and take on that guard position, um, you know, as a as a possibility for them. Um, when you look at I think San Francisco is going to be the be the right fit for them, and and San Francisco right now doesn't have a draft pick uh, beyond you know before the, the fifth round after their first two picks in round number one. So ultimately, I think San Francisco is is going to look to, to trade. I don't think that thirty first overall pick is going to be one that that San Francisco is going to use. So I think they they try to trade uh, you know into the second round potentially into round number four as well, and I think round four is ultimately what they're going to do. Um, Weston Richburg coming off of an injury. Um, you've got Ben Garland as his backup. Ben Garland's over the age of 30. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you really you know, trust him there as, as the backup. Tom Compton now is the right guard. Mike Person is gone. Um, Tom Compton is a one-year rental. So I think, you know, depending on what happens with Western Richburg um, and Tom Compton's effectiveness there as, as that one-year rental there at right guard, um, I, I really think Nick Harris could be the guy to to man either one of those positions there for San Francisco. Uh, Harris, just 6'1", 302, did run a 5'1", at the Combine, shows off some, some decent athleticism, a guy who I think um, you know was the most consistent offensive lineman there for Washington at least the last couple of seasons. And that includes having Caleb McGarry, a former first-round pick on the roster. Um, I really like him. I think he'll be a guy that will come off the board in round four. I think a guy that's going to be round four, round five range is Keith Ishmael out of San Jose, uh, San Diego State. The junior decides he's going to come out a year early. Another guy who I thought, you know, model of consistency there for the Aztecs, 6'3", 309, started a ton of games for them. Um, not the most athletically gifted of, of the centers, um, but another guy who I think from, you know, uh, a technical standpoint is a guy that's going to get the job done. Um, I, I think a guy that has some versatility that's going to come off the board in uh, probably the round five range, round five, possibly round four, maybe, you know, 
really, let's just say four to six, is Darrell Williams out of uh, Mississippi State. I like his versatility because he can play guard and he can play uh, the center position. Mississippi State, more often than not, he was playing center. That's really what everyone knows him as, uh, is a center. And uh, with Williams, look, you know, he, he's 6'2", 304, um, decent athleticism overall. And uh, a guy, like I said, between the fourth and sixth round just really feels right for him. Danny Pinter. Here's a name, you know, out of Ball State, a guy who played tackle. He's played guard there for Ball State. I think he may end up playing the pivot when it's all said and done. And I think he's a guy that can develop into a starter. Um, fifth, sixth round range, more than likely, 6'4", 306. Ran a 4'9", 140 at the Combine. One of the more athletic guys, you know, in the three-cone drill, ran a 7'7", 7, 7, um, which was among the, the faster offensive linemen in that drill. In fact, I think John Runyon, Let's see. Now, Ezra Cleveland was the fastest, ran a 7.26. Um, let's see. Matt Hennessy ran a 7.45. Um, and then after that, you had Runyon running a 7.57. But after that, that 7.76 from Danny Pinter, a guy that people were really talking about there coming out of Ball State. I think what keeps him from playing tackle are his, his, his arm length. You know, under 32 inches. I think he'll play you know, either guard or center. I think this is a guy who can end up being an NFL starting center when it's all said and done. Um, and, you know, a team could potentially get a steal there in rounds five or six. And then looking at that center position at the end, uh, Jake Hansen out of uh, Oregon. I like Hansen. I, I think this is a guy who's an intelligent player, high football IQ, big, he's physical, um, not the most athletically gifted uh, center, you know, another guy that uh, I think is going to struggle from an athletic standpoint. Um, but again, six, you know, six four, three oh three. He did, like I said, ran that five oh five, or I'm sorry, five five forty at the combine, but put up uh, thirty three reps at two twenty five uh, in the bench press. Played for Mario Cristobal, that physical uh, running game, and uh, you know, a guy who I thought, you know. Overall, even though he wasn't the most athletic, I thought he worked really well with with his guards. They're on the interior of that line, and um, you know, a, a guy who was one of the the staples and the stalwarts there on that 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 offensive line for the Oregon Ducks. And uh, I think he ends up getting drafted late. Um, so when I look at the offensive line overall, anybody else that sticks out that could potentially get drafted late, um, if I look at it. Let's see if I can find anybody else. Justin Heron out of Wake Forest, um, you know, knee injury, you know, kind of cut things short for him. Um, and then he came back, you know, kind of the forgotten guy, but a guy who I think he reminds me a little bit of Justin School, um, somebody who isn't going to be overly athletic, but just you know is a a guy who was solid, you know, for for the Demon Deacons. I think he could potentially get drafted probably in the sixth round range at the tackle position. John Molchon, nobody's really talking about him out of Boise State. He's 6'5", 309, ran a 5'1", 340 at the Combine. Uh, physical dude, um, underrated athleticism. I thought he and uh, Ezra Cleveland worked really well together. He could end up being a late day three pick. Um, you know, Michael Onwenu out of Michigan, he's 6'3", 344 pounds. Big, physical, long arms. Um, I think he's a, a guy who has late round potential as well. Um, so those are really the, the offensive linemen that I'm looking at and really trying to target at this point. Um, you know, Zach Shackelford, uh, the center out of Texas, 
He was another guy not invited to the combine who has a chance to get drafted. Um, but I think we've pretty much covered most of the tackles that we're going to be expecting to see coming off the board. Uh, there might be a couple of outliers that I've missed, but I think we've covered the majority of those offensive linemen. So if you're scoring at home, um, you know, I've got 20 offensive tackles, uh, 15 offensive guards, and nine centers. So, you know, that that's what 44 offensive linemen coming off the board uh, in, in this year's draft of the, you know, the, the 250 plus picks, you know, 45 of those being up front on the offensive line doesn't feel like a lot, but when we've taken a look at, at what's happened in past drafts, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're up on the number of guards from a season ago. We're up on the number of centers from a season ago. And, and frankly, if we go 20 tackles, um, you know, you'd have to go back a little ways, you know, before you actually find a draft where you had uh, that number of tackles. Obviously, we had 23 in, in 2019, but prior to that, um, you know, over 20 tackles taken, you know, you got to go back a ways. You know, we, we haven't had um, deep draft stock. Uh, draft classes there at the tackle position. 2014, we had 23 tackles taken. We also had 23 tackles taken in last year's draft. I think we have more elite tackles up front. Um, you know, guys that are going to get drafted in uh, you know the top half of round number one, and then I think you'll see that drop off after that. And uh, you know, if ultimately it, it stacks up to look similar to the 2016 draft. And uh, I'm sure that teams that, that are picking Wills and, and Wirfs and Thomas and Becton are hoping that those those guys look a lot like Stanley, Conklin, Tunsil, Decker out on the football field at the next level. So should be really fun, should be interesting. But uh, you know, we've covered all of the offense. We're going to transition to defense in our next podcast. We're going to look at the the defensive line, linebackers, secondary, get you ready for that draft. And again, my last uh, last podcast will be my mock draft, final mock draft before we go ahead and kick things off on Thursday, April 23rd. So I hope you've enjoyed the content. Hope, Hopefully you've been been sticking with us all the way through from from episode one all the way through episode 35. If you're just joining us now, welcome to the show. Hope you've enjoyed the content, like I said, and uh, hopefully you'll stick around for the next one. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Let's get ready for the draft. I'll see you soon. Take care, and I am out of here.